Okay, welcome back to Anime Death Spiral, the only anime podcast directly funded by your tax dollars. That's right. <laughs> yep, uh, we're ge- we're getting those government bucks. Hell yeah, dude. Uh, I'm Nate. As always, I'm here with Remy. Uh, we're here to talk at you about anime. We're going to berate you with anime opinions. Uh, strap in. <laughs> Yet again, for the 31st time, I intend to browbeat you about anime. Uh, what we do is less of a podcast and more of a form of emotional abuse to you who likes anime with with anime. Anime is the instrument that we're going to hurt you with. Yeah, you know, it's funny because a lot of people call their their lists or whatever, they call them recommendations or they call them suggestions. These are ultimatums. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Like commandments. <laughs> if you don't follow these orders, there will be punishments. <laughs> Anime Judgment Day is nigh upon us. <laughs> yeah. Choose where you want to stand in the Lord's eyes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, and there there will be anime commandments in this episode, because guess what? What? I watched some anime. No, you lie. Charlatan. No, Heretic. I, I really did. I really did. I swear to God. There was like a whole slew of new anime, and can you believe it? Uh, some of them looked good. I barely believe it. I know. We did talk last episode, obviously, of some things we had our eyes on. Nate... Uh, got the jump on me and watched uh, a couple of pilots. I'm caught up now, a little bit caught up. I watched a couple other pilots. We've split the duties, so I've got uh, uh, some of the other shows that Nate obviously wasn't that interested in. Um, but we did watch one in, in common, right? We did. Uh, what was it called? Um, Ball Buster? Balls Buster, yes. Bustin' Balls. I, I was, <laughs> I have to admit, uh, the show is called Bull Buster, but when I was sitting on the couch with my... Oh, wait, wait, hold on, what? It's called Bull Buster. Yes, yes. Uh, it is somehow it's called Bull Buster. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but we were sitting on the couch uh, chanting every time the mech was doing something, chanting, Ball Buster, Ball Buster, Ball Buster. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, very entertaining. You know, sometimes when you're watching anime, you got to make your own fun. I mean, if you're not entertained, what is the point? Exactly, exactly. So, uh, can I can I explain to to our dear listeners what Bullbuster is? I'd love to hear what you think it is. That would be great. <laughs> so the the basic premise of Bullbuster is um, mechs are are real. Uh, and they're used to fight giant uh, mole rats. Yeah. Uh, giant mutant mole rats. Naked mole rats. Yeah, naked mole rats. Uh, Pink the, as the day they were born. And the size of a house. And in this in this setting, uh, this this mole rat hell that they presented us with, um, <laughs> our, our main characters are what is essentially like a, a an extermination company. Pest control. Yeah, they they are pest control people that that fight these giant mutant monstrous and naked mole rats uh with industrial equipment that they've repurposed into kind of a, a mecha suit weaponry um and the basic premise is hey hey what if being like a, a mech pilot that fights monsters is just a fucking boring ass job yeah what if it was just kind of like blue collar warehouse work I kept saying it was essentially a show about forklift certification. 
Uh, <laughs> I drove a forklift for a long time. Totally uncertified, I will say. Yeah. Well, do you remember uh, near the end of Aliens, uh, there is a very conspicuous uh, forklift mech? Well, yeah, I feel like that is pretty much guaranteed to be the direct inspiration for this whole show's idea yeah right is the the stay away from her you bitch scene (laughs) yes yes exactly that is that is the touchstone for sure because the mechs are you know they're not mech mechs they're they're little tiny personalized mechs they're like 10 12 feet tall they don't really have like a, a bunch of weapons on them the the hook for the series is that our main character is a is a you know, upstart engineer, right? Uh, who just got a job working for this company, and he's all jazzed to show off his his new robot design. Yep. Uh, that he that he designed himself, and so it's got all the fancy bells and whistles for for killing mole rats. <laughs> it's got a heads up display. Yep. <laughs> uh, it's got one of those cow punchers on it. Uh, AR integrated screen processing. Yeah, yeah. It's bipedal for some reason, which uh, they call out as being stupid in the show. Yeah, I st- I started making fun of it for that, and then the guy started making fun of it on the show, which I felt very validating. <laughs> uh, well, okay, so th- we kind of have we start off with him, and then he gets kind of paired up uh, right off the bat against the older pilot uh who works for the company who who drives the much older version of of his mech where it's still kind of on like tractor treads on the bottom yeah uh but it has you know arms and and a big gun on top uh they share a lot of you know crossover design wise yeah again the big difference is that this guy's new mech has has legs which i cannot stress uh, enough is stupid. It's it's always going to be stupid. Yeah. Uh, mechs with legs are never going to happen, people. It's ridiculous. Uh, you should stop playing Metal Gear Solid. You know, it, it really, you know, if you want to really get into it, it speaks to the the desperate need for humans to anthropomorphize everything, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've made my position clear here. You know, as much as I love Gundam Listen, and if the robots general, aren't bipedal, how are they going to be fuckable? <laughs> yeah, well, exactly, exactly. Uh, you know, I, 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 I've made my position clear. I love Gundam. Uh, obviously, Ava mechs are absolutely legendary. They're extremely iconic. But I've always uh, erred on the side of Mech Warrior myself. I like the kind of grungy, more workmanlike mechs. The very slow mechs, you know what I mean? Very much a tank mech. Yeah, something that evokes the imagery of, like, you know, like in Bullbuster Industrial Equipment or... Yes. uh, Or kind of uh, classic, you know, military vehicles. Kind of like that uh, boxy aesthetic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like um, in the third Matrix. Yeah. When the, the horrible squids break in. And those guys are just basically wearing armor suits with big guns on them. Man, that was so funny. It's fucking cool as hell, man. Sorry, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm a big defender. I love I love all Matrix movies except for that last one. I still haven't brought myself to watch it, but I do I do like the original trilogy quite a bit just on its own. Yeah, and of course, since this is an anime podcast, we got to shout out that the Animatrix is legitimately one of the best anthology anime series uh, that has ever been made. Oh, absolutely. I mean, my God. You know, the only one I can think of, um, there, there, there is another 
uh, kind of famous anime trilogy that I'm blanking on. Or, it, it, not trilogy, but a uh, an anthology. Know, an anthology that had kind of yeah. three uh, separate uh, chunks to it. All I can remember is that the first one was about a bunch of astronauts on kind of like a dying space station. Yes. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of That the... one's called Memories. Memories. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Uh, and then, of course, there's uh, Neo Tokyo, not to be confused with Akira. They're the Neo Tokyo came, I think, before Akira. That's a series of three movies, mm-hmm. uh, three short films. Uh, and then there's, of course, the, the Genius Party uh, anthologies, which are also great. A lot of really great anime anthologies. You give an animator like 10 minutes and a bunch of money, you're probably going to get something pretty good out of it. I mean, that is just like the economy of animation, though, right? The, yeah. the shorter it is, the more of your budget you can focus into making that smaller <laughs> bit better. Yeah, it's like it's like the meme that's going around in indie games, right? I want, I want shorter games with less graphics and uh, charging more money, right? <laughs> well, I, w- I was thinking more like that's why um, horror as a film genre lends itself to anthology so well because you can tell a legitimately well-put-together scary story in 15 minutes sure, with a relatively low budget and make it look really fun as opposed to uh, trying to draw out a much thinner premise to 90 minutes Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know i i I have to think like how uh i don't want to say boring but less enjoyable any of the segments from creep show would have been if you stretched them individually out into their own movie yeah sure we saw that with uh you know the twilight zone (laughs) (laughs) you know twilight zone great great short stories uh when you try to make those things into like full features uh, it does a it doesn't always translate very well. Anyway, Bull Buster. Bull Buster. <laughs> we get to Twilight Zone. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like. I you know I I think it has it has legs. I like the scene where where the dude is all jazzed to go show off his new mech that he just debuted, and yeah. and he gets stopped in his tracks because he has to fill out fucking insurance paperwork for the I company. I love that part. Yeah, I love that touch. I think that was really good. I really hope that they have a scene later on down the line where uh maybe it looks like they're gonna have to go under or whatever and it shows that that dude like their accountant dude who's the stickler for paperwork and yeah and and all up everybody's ass about about doing things proper like mm-hmm. he's he just fucking comes in and saves the company at the most crucial moment with his most like benign bureaucratic shit. Oh sure, I'm I'm imagining like a complete shonen battle scene except it's him uh doing the refinancing. That would be great. Yeah, like uh like uh reworking the mortgage. <laughs> that would be really fun. Uh I have to say there was a moment that I found very strange. What was that? He he gets our our little engineer friend has never done the job right he's he's been stuck in his lab uh, cooking up uh, new mech designs and he finally gets the opportunity to like actually test drive the thing right and they they deploy him but he comes face to face with a naked mole rat and acts like he doesn't he's never seen one before and he has no idea what the job actually 
entails, you know? Well, you know, classic classic STEM blunder. He spends all of his time theorizing. He has no field experience. He's not well, out there talking to the actual people. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that part I like. I mean, that makes sense to me. But the idea that he designed this mech without understanding what it would actually be doing is very strange to me. Uh, that is my one nitpick. Okay, I'm glad you brought that up because the thing that kept running in my mind when he was, like, starting his mission uh, yeah. and he was all jazzed to, you know, show off how cool his fucking mech is. Yeah. I thought that they were absolutely going to go for the angle where all of the cool shit that he was, like, excited to to show off just totally fails in application right <laughs> it kind of does i mean the thing doesn't work like he expects it to at no, first but i feel like uh, i feel like more than anything that was a, a skill issue on his part <laughs> skill issue skill gap yeah skill issue that's a for real a skill gap right there i feel like in the end his his mech does work he was just nervous and and didn't quite understand uh like you said what he was up against but yeah i thought that they were literally gonna go for a much more direct like uh he he was super jazzed on on that it doesn't have an open cockpit right it has uh, camera-fed screens on the interior. Yeah. Like a Gundam, basically. Yes, exactly. Uh, with a, you know, AR-integrated targeting system and all that. Yeah. And I thought that, like, first thing off the bat, what was going to happen was the mole rat was going to knock out the camera up front. Uh, because <laughs> be it's totally unprotected in his design. Yeah. Uh, it's just there in front. And he was going to be blind, you know, for the rest of the fight or whatever. Right, right. Uh, but no, he he, he just kind of fell over. And then and then he she shot it with a gun and he won. He won the fight. Yeah. He won the fight by shooting it with a big gun. I think it was the cow puncher. It, it was the cow puncher. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Now I have to say my final thought on Bullbuster when I left the credits roll and I left. It seems cruel uh, to kill these wild animals that aren't actually like hurting anybody because <laughs> well, they ship know out that? these because I, I feel yeah. like they set up that that they are they are hurting people they're they're wandering into human settlements and like eating people well they establish uh when they ship out and he's explaining the job they establish that uh nobody lives in on the island they've all they've everybody's abandoned their houses so nobody's actually there Mm -hmm. It's just these wild animals kind of like uh, rewilding the the abandoned village on this island. They don't seem to actually pose that much of a threat. So we are watching these people kind of ship over to this island. They have to take a little tugboat and then well, uh, hold on, is this slaughter these wild animals? You know, is the implication not though that the island is abandoned because? these giant mole rats are there yes yes like, i know the people were there and then they got chased off it's not like it's not like they the people were building around the mole rats sure sure i'm just saying i have sympathy for the mole rats maybe more so than the show intended it's a bit of a wild boar situation i understand you know but uh you know i have sympathy myself for the wild boar i don't know what what what, what can i say it, it felt a, a little a little cruel I don't know. Well, you heard it here, folks. Remy's a boar lover uh, and a human hater. If you aren't a boar lover and a human hater by now, I, I just don't know what to tell you. Uh, <laughs> get your priorities straight.
<laughs> that's the, okay. That's that's Bullbuster. That's it. That's Ballbuster there. That's it. Ballbuster. Uh, the hey, hey, show. quit busting my bowls. It's a final thing. Um, last season we got Sin Duality Noir, which I think I'd said at the time uh, was just kind of a fake uh, Gurren Logon, a, a very much a diet Gurren Logon. That you said that was this season's tiny robot anime. Yeah, this season's Bullbuster tiny robot anime. Thumbs up. Much better. Much better attempt. I like it. I like it. Go for it, guys. Uh, kick yeah. those mole rats. Yeah, yeah. All right. Why don't you tell me about uh, Miggy and Dolly? Because this is an interesting one. You said you watched one episode of this, and then you went and read the entire manga. <laughs> I did. I watched one episode. I was like, I am so fucking down. Let's do this shit. Now, of course, we've talked so many times now. Uh, that we're both big horror guys. At least 31 times. At least 31 times. I hope we have mentioned it on every episode just to drive you insane, my <laughs> dear best friends and listeners. Uh, so I will I will be talking about it even further now because as horror lovers, uh, a weirdo orphan is just like, oh, candy. That's like, mm, I love it. Now, what if that weirdo orphan was a twin? You have double weirdo orphans now it's obviously migi and dolly kind of gives it away right i thought this was literally an anime about salvador dolly so this is all a surprise to me <laughs> no 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 i'll i'll link you to that one later now this is interesting because it is the it is the marking of of my my expansion of my japanese language i, I now know three japanese words because migi is right and dolly is left and now you know too i don't we're all learning think that's right but i don't know enough about japanese to dispute you. well he here's the thing uh in parasite with a y his parasite is named migi because it takes over his right hand well i i i understand that that's not what's confusing me it's the dolly part because i don't think japanese has any l sounds in it naturally uh only in in borrowed words well daddy uh, daddy uh, and in fact, the characters themselves, Miki and Dolly, call themselves uh, Hitori for most of the comic anyway. Okay, so they're pretending to be the same person. Okay, there we go. So let me back. Let me let me back yeah. up. Okay. I feel like maybe we uh, we skipped a beat here. <laughs> Let's back up. I was so excited to know two more words in in Japanese. I was really excited, clapping to myself like a seal. Miki and yeah, Miki and Dolly are two orphans they're very strange they were put up to an orphanage after their mother they found their mother inexplicably dead in the street very awful very awful you hate to see it folks yeah and it made them clearly affected them quite a lot because they are very strange they're extraordinarily close twins and they're sort of like baby angel face twins and they look uh identical these are these are some mirror image ass twins. All right, and we got some creepy ass twins. I'm on board so far. Yeah, yeah. So one day, uh, they're chilling at the orphanage, and they get word that uh, kind of a, a, a nice, well-to-do older couple are looking for a, a child, and they're coming to the orphanage, and they're going to pick one out. Okay, historically, when an older couple comes looking. To, to an orphanage just to pick up a child. I don't think good things generally happen. You know, it, it brings to, to images of, uh, of, <laughs> of vampires and ghouls. 
<laughs> well, there is a... That is what I liked about it is even when it's not being overt about, like, its creepy elements, there's always, like, a, a tinge of, I want to say, like, Twin Peaksy weirdness. You know what I mean? Sure. Something is always just off about everything, which I really like. A, uh, a Lynchian streak, I would call it. Yeah, and... The twins determined to get themselves adopted because, frankly, why wouldn't you? Oh uh, yeah, it sounds uh, being an orphan sounds like it sucks. Yeah, I don't. I don't have any experience myself, but it does seem bad. <laughs> <laughs> they decide on a plan. They know the older couple are only going to adopt one child, and they decide that one child is going to be the two of them. What a great setup! Okay, like just right off the bat. So do we got like a like a the boy the boy two Brahms situation kid in the walls. Abs- yes, absolutely, exactly, exactly. Oh shit, we got a kid in the walls. Yes, yes. They come up with a new kid called uh, Hitori, and they decide that between them they are going to be Hitori. So okay, so we have we have two kids, two twins, and they're both pretending to be a kid that's not either of them. Exactly, exactly. Uh, And this sets off a very strange and interesting series of events. They have to constantly switch in and out. Uh, In the first episode, they establish how the twins eat at dinner, is that uh, one of them sits at the table and the other one skitters along the ground underneath the the first one's chair and stays under the table and, like, the, the first one lowers food to the second one. It's very strange and cool. I really, really like that, it. I mean, that does sound uh, incredibly creepy. Yeah. And nobody notices. Well, they're very good at it. They're very, and they're very dedicated to keeping up the act. Uh, they get anxious when it finally comes time for them to start going to school. They're like, how are we going to make this work, you know? I mean, I think everybody says that when they have to start going to school. I know, right? And you'd think, actually, it's kind of a leg up because, you know, two in one, right? Yeah, you can share the grades. Exactly. Switch out for tests and whatnot. So yeah, it's it's bizarre. And it has that Twin Peaksy weirdness to like everything that happens. And it does build up, like I said, I just immediately read all of it because I was so intrigued. It builds on itself in very cool and weird ways. It has a great sense of humor. It has a great sense of like creepy, strange, mystery weirdness to it. Uh, the two characters are both very alien to us, but also very sympathetic, which is an incredibly hard tightrope to walk, you know? Now, now let me ask you, are they malicious in any way? Are they, are they evil twins? We don't know. That's the thing, is, like, for a long time in the story, they are held at an arm's length from the, from the reader, right? Uh, and they constantly, for the first, you know, third of it, they're constantly mentioning this objective they have this plan they are trying to uh execute right but they won't let us in on it yet so Mm -hmm. we're like what is happening is it some kind of evil thing are they gonna hurt the old couple uh we don't know we have no idea now remy are they gonna hurt these people is that the implication you would hope not because the the old couple are weird but they are actually very loving and kind to the to the twins well, that was their first mistake. I know, right? You, you never want to show weakness to a child. Especially not when you adopted. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing I really like is that since they're playing the same character, right, they have to always wear the same clothes. 
and they've decided they're going to wear nothing but jeans and black turtlenecks. Oh, the Steve Jobs look. Well, you say that because the mother complains that you can't be Steve Jobs every day. That's She literally <laughs> says that. I like <laughs> the idea of a little good. kid playing at being Steve Jobs every day. Yeah, yeah, it's very funny. I, I, I really like Miggy and Dolly. I think this is absolutely one of the standouts of this season because it's so unlike everything else. Well, I mean, it has the benefit of just being weird, which is an automatic, you know, uh, standout above anything it's put up against. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Especially in the realm of anime where uh, things can tend to get a little bit uh, formulaic, I'll say, being on the kinder side. Yeah. Isn't that a weird thing about anime in that you can watch a show that is objectively very strange but also ends up being, like, super boring and formulaic. I mean, it goes in into what we've said a lot of times in shows not living up to their premise, right? Yeah. Uh, you come up with a cool premise to, to get publishers interested, and then once you get them hooked, then they want you to just, you know, do what sells. Yeah, I know I've complained this about this so many times, but it always comes back to that one series I started reading about the the human society in the future where everyone has become immortal <laughs> except a mortality disease has broken out and there are mortality cops that go around executing the mortals so that they can't spread it right i mean that is a cool idea that's such a cool idea but like three three issues in it just becomes a police procedural which just sucks boo yeah boo boo boo, boo to you anime so, yeah, I hate when that kind of shit happens, but it does not happen with Miki and Dolly. Miki and Dolly builds on itself in a great way. I mean, so does it have, like, a good buildup, or does it leave you asking questions? Because you said it's over. Yes. No, the ending is very satisfying if that's something you're scared of, if you're, if you're worried about uh, it not going anywhere. It definitely goes into some weird-ass places. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, kid in the walls. How can it not? Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. Uh, all right, what else we got? Well, we got a couple more. Um, Soso no Feriden. Uh, this is I've, another I've one. Better. Yeah, this is I've, another one you told me about that has a cool premise. Um, yeah. yeah. No, go on. Well, we talked about it a little bit last time, and I mentioned that this was something that had been sitting on my reading list for a while, but I hadn't picked it up because it seemed a little, how should I say, uh, dour. <laughs> a bit maudlin, I think we said. Maudlin, yes. Uh, a somber, a somber tone to it. And uh, I wasn't wrong. A bit dour. It definitely does. <laughs> I like dour, too. It's a good word. But <laughs> I finally watched. I watched it and immediately watched the second episode, which is always a good sign. Even though it does have a weird thing where uh, the first episode you can just watch and it's like a fun short story. You definitely do not have to watch any more after the first episode if you don't want to. Interesting. It's just a nice, contained little short story. I mean, I like that. I like that a lot when a, a show has, like, a good thesis statement you can point to. Right, right. That, that kind of sums it up without having to to make, make someone get invested. Yeah, but I think I described it last episode as, like, the sequel to Record of Lotus War. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, one of those shows that I kind of grew up on back in the day, uh... I liked Record Little Lotus War, so I liked the premise that you set up for me when you explain what Sosano Freerin is, uh, yeah, which is yeah. basically the story of what happens 
after the story of Record Lotus War when uh, the elf outlives all of her other friends. Yes, yes. And the thing that really caught me off guard was the way that Elf Girl Beyond Journey's End uh, plays with time. Wait, is that is that the translated title? Uh, well, that's what I call it. Okay. <laughs> Beyond Journey's End, yes. I don't, I don't know what the rest of it is. You look it up for yourself. Uh, Soso no Fariden. Do your own research, people. Uh, in Japanese. But uh, yeah, so the thing that really caught me off guard was I thought this was going to kind of be like a, a, you know, start after like our heroes are all dead and she's kind of alone and she's reminiscing sort of Titanic-esque about her journeys or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not that at all. The, the no. first episode begins with them returning home after defeating the Demon Lord and they have a big party and they're like, wow, this is so great. Uh, I wonder what we're going to do with the rest of our lives, you know? And the the elf chick is like... <laughs> the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, like, it, this has been, you know, basically a blink of the eye for me. Uh, and uh, they do a great sequence where the night of the party, once they get home, there's, like, a cool meteor shower. And the elf chick is such a downer because she's like... Yeah, you know, actually, I know a way better spot we could watch the uh, the meteor shower. This is kind of a shitty spot for it. Uh, you know, I'll take you to the cool spot for the next one. And the other characters are like, the next one? That's in 50 years. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, what's the problem? And literally, we cut, hard cut, 50 years later. She <laughs> She rolls back into town. And we meet our Parn stand-in, the the hero. And he's like a bent-over old man. He's got a big gray beard, right? And she's like, damn, you look like shit, dude. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's really funny. Um, And they go, and and he he just barely made it. They watch the meteor shower together, and then a couple years later, he's in the ground. Because he's what? He's like in his 70s at that point. Yeah, he's pretty old. Uh, And they have another companion that's this this cleric, right? A couple years after that, she meets up with him, the cleric, and he's bitten pretty close to death. And he kind of tricks her into teaching his adopted daughter magic so that when he's gone... Uh, she has a way to make a living. Sure. And so begins our our narrative of this this elf girl kind of uh, learning how to appreciate the time she spends with humans who are, you know, these fragile creatures uh, through raising this young girl. And it's really touching and it's 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 melancholy, like I suspected. But it's also very touching, and there's moments of humor in it, and the relationship she has that develops with the adoptive daughter, I think, is really good. Uh, And it's beautifully animated. I'm sad now that I put it off reading it for so long, because uh, this is a good one. This is great. I really liked it. So, thumbs up. Absolutely. Uh, Sad Immortal Elf Girl, you get a pass from me. Good job. All right. Resounding endorsement. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I have one more that you didn't watch. Okay, tell me about it. This is a weird one. This one's called Kamiyabi, Kamiyabi, God.app. 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 There's apps for everything these days. This is strange because this is a collaboration with Yoko Taro. That pervert? Yeah, the, the, the Nier and the Drakengard guy. That weird guy. This is not... Obviously not his first anime because the the near anime was last season. 
mm-hmm. or season before that. Oh, my brain is absolutely Swiss cheese. But this is, I, to my knowledge, the first uh, original anime he's developed. And uh, it is very strange. The first, right off the bat, uh, it is fully 3D. Okay, well, I'm off put by that right away. Yeah, I, I was not into that, but it does have like, I don't know. There's a there's a flavor to it that's not the worst thing I've ever seen. Uh, the second weird thing is that it's about all these teenagers, and uh, which is not weird, but their uniform. Every teenager in this entire world wears basically the same clothing. Check this fit out. Here's a all fit right. check. Give it to me. Black trousers. Black suspenders. What? Uh, sh- short black tie. White pinstripe dress shirt with no sleeves. Okay, I gotta look up a picture of this. <laughs> it's so weird. Uh, I don't know how to feel how I feel about it because it is so strange. Uh, I think it's at one hand kind of cool, on the other hand, like what? What, okay. Why would it? Ch- I, okay, I would- just want to point out that uh, I, I uh, googled God dot app and uh, Chrome thought that it was trying to go to an application web page, uh, and so it gave <laughs> me a, a uh, unsafe connection warning. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> no, the anime. I want anime Google. Obviously, I want anime Google. Jesus. No, not not Jesus. Not Jesus. Not Jesus. Okay. Uh, Okay, I'm looking at it here. You know what? He looks like the uh, the kid from Soul Eater. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of that in it. Yeah, you know, it's the it's the red eyes with the with the sharp teeth look. Yes, uh, that's one of the kids. Yeah, these kids get involved in a death game. <laughs> Ring the bell. <laughs> we'll put that in a post. <laughs> so we've got a death game on our hands. And I think as I described it last time, this is essentially Yoko Taro's take on Mirai Nikki, uh, Future, Future Diary, Diary, which uh, despite my better self, I, I really liked. <laughs> I, I really liked it. I really like Mirai Nikki. This one we have we yet to see if it if it goes anywhere. But obviously, I'm a sucker for death games. I don't know how many more times I can say it. So I'm, I'm willing to give it uh, a few more episodes before I, I really make any kind of declaration on it. It seems to be a little light on, like, anything in the first episode. We meet, like, a few of these characters. We establish that, like, so many uh, anime and manga before it, there's a weird phone app that causes strange reality bending, let's say, shenanigans. You gotta love that. Yeah. Uh, these smartphones, man. Well, I mean, the the one I'm familiar with, I think you watched a while ago, um, East of Eden, not East of Eden, that's the Steinbeck book. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, wow. Do you know what I'm talking about? That death game uh, about the, the people that have all the money on their, on their phone? You're talking about Eden of the East. Eden of the East, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> pretty close, pretty close. I, I almost got there. Yeah, I mean, it, that's not, I mean, you're just scratching the surface. Obviously, like, Darwin's game has been running for a little while now, and that's the same idea. Mm-hmm. I talked about that that truly bizarre slave game, uh, death game manga that I read, where the there's a Pokemon Go app, except it's catching random people and turning them into slaves. Uh pretty weird i but it's a that's a weird one 
I mean, that's what that's legitimately what old people thought was going to happen when when Pokemon Go uh, came out. Uh, they thought that it was, uh, in fact, a 5G conspiracy to cook all of our brains and turn us they into, re- into well, woke they, zombies. They really thought we were just going to be like walking into traffic and off cliffs and shit. You know, it's hey, like, that phone, was the phone bad. Duh. Kids be on their phones. I don't know how much more I can say. Yeah. <laughs> Kamiyadabi, God.app, I really don't know what to make of it because I'm, like, very torn on the 3D stuff. I feel bad. Okay, I feel bad because we're in a world that is post-Spider-Verse, post-Arcane. There are legitimate good... Wait, hold on. Hold on. Do not put those on the same level. Uh- <laughs> I'm not putting them on the same level, but they are, you know, obviously Arcane is is better than than a lot of the 3D you know, asset uh, dumps that we're seeing in okay. anime these days. Sure, sure. Obviously, yeah. obviously nothing, nothing comes close to what Spider-Verse did. It, it literally changed the way the medium I- is made and presented uh, at this point. Also, it's just on a side note, I did watch that that uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, and it definitely did, like, learn all the right lessons from uh, Spider-Verse. It, Good. It's a, That's what it's I want. Looker. Yeah, it, it's a good-looking movie. Too bad about that uh, Seth Rogen, but that's that's a different issue. <laughs> no, I'm rolling my eyes right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I feel bad saying that that there's just too much bad 3D anime for me to not feel apprehensive about it uh, at this point. Yeah. Even though there are good examples out there. Yeah, no, it's a totally legit concern. And even in Bullbuster, it starts off with like a little bit of that 3D mech shit that made me like raise my eyebrows a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't look good in. I want to be clear that it did not look good in Bullbuster either. Yes, it was mercifully short, but but I, yeah, I did not like that either. Uh, the the th- giant 3D mole rats were particularly bad. Yeah, yeah. They seem to be using it a lot for big monsters. They tend to be CGI these days. I don't like that. Yeah. I don't like that at all. The the CGI they use in Kami Erabi God.app is definitely its own distinct flavor. Um, and honestly, you know, if you're doing full CGI, I I can forgive it a little bit. You know, the, the mishmash, I think, is what's so jarring about a lot of anime. I feel like we're getting closer to making it look pretty good, especially with what, you know, MAP has been doing since Dorohidoro. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've been refining their use of CGI, I think. And people still complain about it, you know. Um, I I don't think Chainsaw Man looked bad by any degree of the word or any definition of the word. Yeah, uh, I, I, I don't think, think that, Doro Hey looks bad either. But I know. Just, I was about to say, know, I think that that is their roughest work when it comes to 3D stuff that I'm familiar with uh, that they that they've done, and even yeah. it still looks like pretty okay. That one yeah. is is hard just because like Q Hayashida's art in in Doro goes so fucking hard every page. It does absolutely it does yeah but but they did their best and they made it look like pretty decent uh i'll say mm-hmm. so i don't know we'll see but at this point fucking bullbuster isn't it and i don't know if uh kamehurabi god.app is either yeah uh we'll check back in uh maybe in a few episodes to see what the hell that thing actually is because the first episode doesn't really elaborate very much uh i'm just i'm fascinated by the yokotaro connection we'll we'll see where that goes um, and then, of course, 
Uh, last but not least, uh, we have the showstopper. Spy Family is back, baby. Spy Family. Spy is Family. Back. Yeah. You mean Spy X Family? Spy X Family. Spy by Spy. Yeah, spy by Family. family. <laughs> <laughs> spy by Family. That's hard to say. Uh, <laughs> spy Family. I love back, it, son. It is literally a a ray of sunshine <laughs> to come back to because goddamn, watching that family makes me uh, feel something akin to joy again, and and <laughs> I need to hold on to that little that little spark just a little bit longer. A little tiny spark to light up the darkness in my heart. <laughs> so last I heard, because um, I haven't caught up in the Spy Family manga, even though there's only like. 80 something chapters out it's not that long yeah and we are kind of spinning the wheels uh, yeah in the current part of the story uh not that i don't like it but it's like that not not a lot's happening yeah uh so where is the upcoming movie supposed to fit in is do you know if that's going to be based on on something from the manga or is that going to be uh uh, out and out anime filler i'm really not sure i mean on uh, part of it is that i've been avoiding it because i know like straight up, I'm gonna watch it. Mm-hmm. Like obviously, I'm I'm getting in there because I love Spy Family. And for a lot of movies, like at that ahead of time, I know I'm gonna watch. Uh, I do make an effort to like avoid any more information. Not because I'm like you know precious about spoilers or anything, but it's like, well, I'm I'm gonna get there. Like it, I don't need to waste my time on on a trailer or a breakdown or whatever i'm gonna get there yeah well i don't know is uh is there any notable christmas arc that happens in the manga that that i haven't got to yet because i feel like with the timing on where we're starting season two uh it might you know take a break around you know uh, what uh mid-december and then that would be a real good time to bring out a Christmas movie. My speculation very early on, when, even when they just like floated the idea of a movie, was the uh, cruise arc. There is one sequence fairly early on in Spy Family, like actually, you know, not that far off where where the the anime is, uh, where the the family takes a cruise, uh, unbeknownst to Lloyd and Anya. Yor is working a, uh, a a bodyguard job on the same cruise that they're on, and so lots of hijinks uh, ensue about uh, them just just missing each other, you know that kind of thing. I, sure, I don't need to spell it out. It's it, the the gag is obvious, but this is a fairly like meaty chunk of the story, and it is all chronologically compact. You know, because a lot of chapter by chapter, I mean, we kind of float through time. But this is like moment to moment, course of maybe one and a half days, this all takes place. And it is uh, extremely action packed. So if you were going to just dump a bunch of money into part of Spy Family, it would be the part where every single chapter is filled with like intense fights, right? I, I, anime is an animated medium. I love it when, when they just go ham wild, (laughs) you know? We're always saying that. I mean, we're always saying that, folks, every episode. But seriously, I I do wish that every anime had the budget to actually make the animation fun to look at. Uh, I feel like one of the biggest criticisms of anime just on the production side 
as a as a genre as a like media content that gets made is that yeah. so much of it is churned out so fast something goes from fucking blog post to light novel to to anime adaptation within the course of a year yeah uh, and you have to dump all this stuff into into quick adaptation rewrites stock textures uh, asset dump 3d stuff like we were talking about yep anime for the most part is not good animation like <laughs> I, I feel like we can say that confidently well at this point you know, we are in an era where uh we have more shovelware uh than ever yes and and especially in an era where the stuff that that does get fucking decent anim uh, animation production value out the bat is stuff like ZOM 100. Yeah, which is crazy. Again, I cannot overstate how pissed off I am about that. Live action Netflix show announced before the first episode even came out. Yeah, well, movie. Yeah, Netflix movie. movie, excuse me. Full ass movie. Yeah, we, like, you think about the business of it right now and it is very strange because it's like if a show isn't very popular, they starve it for budget. Yeah. If a show is extremely popular, they squeeze it for all it's worth, uh, which means taking money out of the budget, <laughs> putting it putting it in the, the pocket of somebody who is not actually drawing anything. Hey, something tells me that these producers just like taking money. Yeah, it's it's uh, an unfortunate time, let's say. Uh, so Spy Family has uh, managed to get some really great uh, breaks there like uh, last season we had the the tennis sequence oh yeah which was fantastic I think the best animation they've done in the show so far beautiful to look at yeah it's like really really cool and it's a great scene it's great animation it it adapts the comic in a way that makes uh doing animation itself like actually worthwhile which doesn't always happen you know a lot of times you watch like an adaptation and it's two heads talking at each other and you're yeah. like this is literally what well that is, is like the classic anime anime trope right it's just two people uh in a in a re shot reverse shot sequence talking to each other yes and there are interesting ways to do that i would say you know i i hesitate to bring it up but like Bake Monogatari does incredible sequences that are just two people talking really really imaginative and cool animation of just two heads talking at each other sometimes they're brushing their teeth sometimes they're doing other things but <laughs> uh most of the time that is not the case and spy family has dipped in and out of that you know not every single episode has a tennis sequence no but i feel like spy family uniquely benefits from having uh fairly simple designs overall right yes that's the silhouette yeah. thing, right? And uh, it's funny because in in anime, it's like, don't draw a weird design on somebody's t-shirt because you're going to have to do it a million times, right? Exactly, yeah. Uh, and it like just, and it's in, in video games, it's you, you when a character lies in bed, you can't put a sheet on them, right? Like that, you know, because that would cost a hundred million dollars to animate. <laughs> we got to invent sheet physics. Yeah, it really is. All right, so... Uh, that's that's everything we watched, right? You didn't watch anything new besides those. No, no, not uh, not so far. But I feel like we've covered a pretty decent spread of the, yeah, the yeah. fall the fall lineup. 
Yes, and just before just before we move on, I do want to shout out a couple of things that we did miss when we were talking about stuff coming up. Mm-hmm. You know, you put on here like obviously the f- uh, Fully Cooly Grunge and Shoe Gaze are now. Speaking out. of 3D animated stuff, yeah, yeah, those are going on. I I don't know, I I. I Definitely not going to watch Grunge. I might watch an episode of Shoegaze. Uh, we'll see well, how Grunge that is out. Down. Grunge is that's that's finished. That's out. Shoegaze yeah. is the next one coming up. Right. We might check out that. Um, I, I I feel like I will probably check out Grunge just to see what what it's got going on because yeah. the only thing I do know about Shoegaze is that uh, it, apparently what's her face uh, Haruko uh, isn't in it. <laughs> That's interesting. I actually I like that. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what I was hoping they were gonna do with these reboots all along. But like I said, uh, it seems the lesson they took from Fooly Cooly is that people really like Haruko, uh, who is an objectively bad person. <laughs> bad bad guy. <laughs> uh, one that slipped through the cracks here, which is kind of strange for me because Good Night World. You may remember I talked a lot about this manga. This is the one about the family who hate each other, uh, but unbeknownst to them, are part of the same guild in the MMO they all play together. You love to see it. You love to see a family come together over something they love. Yeah, over grinding dungeons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's somehow what if, what, what if this was about RuneScape? Like, the family all just plays RuneScape <laughs> together. The, the game kind of is like that. There's not a lot to it. It's like... There's a lot of PvP, apparently, in, in the game they're playing. So somehow that slipped by me, but that actually starts tomorrow. Uh, that is uh, October 12th. Yes, we are recording on October 11th. You got us. You boomed us. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. I, I'm interested because I honestly didn't think the manga was like popular at all. But who knows? Uh, weird things happen. Now, a big one I did know about, uh, which I do feel a little shame that we didn't mention was Naoki's uh, Pluto adaptation is going on to Netflix on the 26th. Oh. And that looks uh, incredible. It just looks fantastic. I saw, the, I saw the trailer for that. That does look like something to keep an eye on. Uh, real beautiful stuff. Yes, yes. Now, Naoki is one of my favorites, and, and I was a little afraid because, you know, Netflix, obviously, uh, not a great reputation right now. Uh, but I, I, I'm definitely 100% checking that out. Got yeah, remember to, when the to. name Netflix really stood for something? Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, do you remember? Do you remember those days? The Arrested Development uh, sequels. That's that's what you're talking about. Uh, uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, on in that vein, uh, Scott Pilgrim, Scott Pilgrim adaptation. Whoa, Whoa. that's November 17th. We did we did talk about that before, so that's when that's coming out, November seventeenth. Yeah, we've yeah, confirmed. That's, pr- that's pretty close. That's November seventeenth. Yes, uh, real mixed feelings. I gotta say, I I'm gonna be honest. Like, I like I've always liked uh, Brandon Lee O'Malley's style. I, I I do like the way Scott Pilgrim the art looks. What I'm questioning is bringing back the Edgar Wright movie cast to do the voices because I don't think any, any actor that appeared in that movie has like a voice that I want to listen to divorced from their actual face (laughs) for any uh, amount of time. Right. Sure. Sure. Obviously, Michael Sarah. I don't think that he fits the character at all. 
I thought he was a weird cast to begin with, but you know, who am I to question, to question Edgar Wright? He was a weird cast. Yeah. I mean, I think he was hot at the moment. He had some buzz at the moment, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, he, yeah, he was coming, he was coming off of kind of a, a hot streak, uh, where, you know, he obviously did super bad and then did a bunch of kind of like weird Juno. Yes. Yeah, development. Uh, comedies. Yeah. So yeah, I, I can, I can kind of see why he would be in Edgar Wright's mind, the right geist, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just have to make this clear in case I haven't said it before. Uh, no, God, we constantly repeat ourselves, don't we? But voice actors and film and television actors are not interchangeable skills at all. Like at no, all, they are not. There's a reason Troy Baker has to do everything in this fucking industry. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> okay. What I find weird is that, um, you know, and I'm just gonna say that Troy Baker is someone I would describe as. Uh, traditionally attractive he's he's not a bad looking dude it's 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 interesting that he went so all in on being like a voice actor persona he's like a prestige voice actor and i think he's kind of one of the one of the guys that's pioneering that term i don't want to say pioneering that sounds pretentious but (laughs) oh god forbid you sound pretentious (laughs) i've never been accused of it in my life sir Mm-hmm. But he's like becoming a name that characters get billed on. Like, oh, that guy's voiced by Troy Baker. Yeah, uh, and and you see it popping up. I, I feel like you're going to see it popping up a lot more. Uh, rest in peace, Kevin Conroy. Just barely caught like the tail end of the benefit of that trend before he died. You know, he he was the voice of the Batman in in the animated series from the 90s and from the Arkham games. Well, yeah, and of course, on the same tip, like Mark Hamill is one of the very few people who actually do uh, step across the line and excel at both, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, His Joker, obviously one of the most legendary Jokers. Iconic. Yeah, absolutely iconic. But like for the most part, stage, screen, television actor is not just somebody you can slot in to a voice acting gig. I think people make that mistake a lot. Again, unless your name is Hank Azaria. <laughs> well, the man, the man is great. I mean, he's uh, <laughs> another legend. Uh, yeah. You know, he fa- he's one of the funniest parts in Heat. <laughs> we all love Heat, don't we? Yeah, yeah. His wife has a great big ass. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's take a break. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. days of youth the potential of the young of the first 
episode of of a show just struggling to be born. That's truly beautiful. But what of the adolescent show? A show, let's say, on its 12th or maybe even 34th episode. Uh, that potential is either realized or squandered, isn't it? Isn't it, Nate? Yeah, I don't want to talk about squander potential. <laughs> I don't want to think about that. <laughs> the last season is pretty much done with. Obviously, we've got another episode of Jujutsu Kaisen to go. Um, I am just on the edge of my fucking seat about that one. Yeah, we've got a couple more things. Surprisingly, like Deadmount Deathplay has just picked up again. So like, obviously, that's on a roll. Uh, but we want to talk about a little bit, uh, you know, break down what we watched and, and what we dropped from the last season. Because we picked up a fair amount of shows. I mean, I, I think we watched at least 10 or 11, maybe 12 shows from last season. Between the two of us, we got a good spread, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we covered the big ones at the very least. Yeah. Um, but we did not... Uh, <laughs> We did not make it very far in all of them. I will. I will admit. Uh, you all. You know. I feel no shame. I don't think uh, many of these deserve to full my full attention anyway. No. No. I am very much uh, of the opinion if if something is bumming you out, drop that shit. You know. Uh, you do not owe your time to anything. Yeah. Well. Okay. Uh, starting there, uh, I think is is interesting because I wanted to talk about. I can't even remember the full title of the show. The the masterful house cat is is depressed again. Was that it? Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. so. Uh, so I watched a couple episodes of this. I think you watched maybe three. I don't know how many. How far did you I get? Think, I think I watched like five or six. Oh, you got way farther than I did. Yeah. And I think I liked it way less than you. <laughs> yeah. I, I was rather charmed by it. You know, I I had planned to go back to this one because uh, the, the premise is uh, this lady. Uh, she's, you know, your standard harried, overworked office lady. She just is a, a lady in the city trying to get by, right? Yeah, a working girl. <laughs> yeah. No, wait, no, not that. <laughs> wait, that's not what that means. No, not that, not, not that one. A uh, professional woman. Yeah. Um, She's professionally a woman. <laughs> I mean, that is a job in, in Japan. Look it up. <laughs> so And and she uh, adopts a, a, a stray cat, and for some reason... It grows up to be human-sized and sentient, and also kind of a bitch to her. Yeah, it it some for some reason it I, it must have come into contact with the ooze. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Again, you got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on yeah, the brain. Yeah. Well, it becomes bipedal and like fully sapient. So I mean that we can only draw one conclusion from that, and that's the ooze. Yeah. Uh, it is. It is a a product of mutagenic. Uh, material that is leaked out possibly the same kind that created the ninja turtles master splinter of course possibly the same kind that created daredevil yeah it's wild if you look into the current running um ninja turtles like comic series that's yeah. getting very popular from from the buzz i'm seeing online it's just a furry comic at this point oh yeah um, well i mean bebop and rocksteady are what like 25 30 years old now uh yeah but you know they were ugly <laughs> oh, oh shit wow damn that's harsh i'm just saying uh, that like they were very clearly monstrous in their mutations man this is so human centric here it's really fucked up of you man 
You know, in the in the new movie, there is a whole gang of them. A whole gang of mutants. Yeah, the main guy is a fly. He's an anthropomorphic fly, but he has assembled an entire gang uh, of other oozed creatures. Uh, there's like nine or ten of them. I mean, I like that. I like making him a fly. Do they give him any Jeff Goldblum affectations? Uh, no, he is very clearly like black coated. <laughs> okay. Oh. Oh, <laughs> not to go back to the One Piece thing, but the the main evil villain of the new Ninja Turtles movie is a is a black coated uh, fly. Anyway, uh, Seth <laughs> why Rogen, don't, why don't you tell me why you stopped watching Masterful Cat, and then I'll tell you why I stopped watching Masterful Cat. Uh, you know, honestly, I I just it's hard for me to get into these slice of life kind of low stakes. Uh, stories. It's not that yeah. I didn't like it. It's just uh, it is a very chill uh, or at least it's trying to be kind of very uh, chill normal core kind of vibe to it. You know? The, <laughs> yeah. The premise is she has this giant house cat that basically kind of acts as a live-in kind of caretaker slash uh, wise elderly advice giver. Yeah. Uh, really, it just comes off, uh, like I think you're about to say, is incredibly patronizing and and, and downputting to her. Yeah. Well, uh, it's very strange because the cat is, um, it's Jeeves. Okay. You know, you say that now and yeah. I totally, it clicks for me. Uh, I did not put that together, but yeah, uh, the cat is Jeeves. Uh, it, it, it's a pithy, uh, uh, effeminate caretaker uh, dude. Yeah, because Wooster is a man child. Yeah, it's very, it's it's made very clear in the in the Jeeves and Wooster books. Well, he's more uh, than a man child. He's he's dumb. He's a dumb he's man. A, he's he's a dumb guy, and he's basically uh, unable to live on his own. He needs a caretaker, which is Jeeves. He just uh, keeps getting into too many capers. Yes, it's constant capers with that guy. Like, give it a rest, man. Now, the difference being uh, our office lady is not a rich British uh, uh, g gentleman who, who spends most of his days at the club. Uh, she has to work like nine, ten hour days, six days a week. Yeah, no, her job sucks. She doesn't have any time. She's always... You know, in a rush, she's overworked, and then she has to go home to this cat fucking uh, giving her side-eye all the time. Yeah, because her only hobby is getting drunk. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, glass, glass houses. Glass houses. Yeah. Now, the reason I dropped this, and I think this is what I made, I, made, I was very emphatic about this when we talked about it the first time, is uh, this show is extraordinarily misogynistic. <laughs> I mean, so like British people. Yeah, I don't know what the hell was going on, but I mean, if you really sit down and like pay attention to what is happening on this show, uh, this show thinks women are I, dumb babies. This show says women belong in the kitchen every single episode. <laughs> I mean, it was extraordinary to me. I could not believe what I was seeing. I think the reason I watched so many episodes is because I I kept doubting myself. I was like, this show couldn't... I, I, I think I'm bringing too much of my own uh, biases into this. I don't think it's... It can't possibly be as misogynistic as I think it is. But no, every episode compounded the misogyny. I mean, this show is supposedly about, you know, a, a professional woman making her way through the world. 
but it fucking hates ladies, dog. Like, this shit fucking hates them. Uh, I, I can't, it's mind-boggling. Yeah, I, I hated Masterful Cat. I mean, to be, to be totally honest, I feel like... I mean, you told me about that basically as soon as you were watching these episodes. Yeah. And that played a big part in in me not really having a big interest in going back. Uh, I don't want to see that. Uh, as as we've talked about, you know, many, many times, uh, Remy, you are, in fact, the number one feminist ally uh, in I the mean, world. Yes, I mean, yes, I'm a big ally. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a male feminist. I'm a male... Uh, feminist ally i'm 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 big in the world there i'm 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 good i'm 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 femi- i'm a good feminist i'm a good feminist ally <laughs> listen as a man let me tell you people that he's one of the good ones as a man i think i know a thing or two about misogyny you know what i mean <laughs> uh <laughs> all right sit down all right okay uh what about what about girl I like forgot her glasses? You definitely watched one episode of this. I I never did. Heard. I actually got like I think six episodes into this one, and after a while, it just became too much. How she just kept forgetting her glasses. Why does this chick keep forgetting her glasses? Like honestly, is she is, is dumb? It a, is it a? <laughs> we're getting right back into it. Yeah. We're getting right back into it. Uh, <laughs> Look, uh, put him on uh, a chain. Problem solved. Well, okay, what okay? What really did it for me is that the kid, the kid who likes the girl who keeps forgetting her glasses, yeah. uh, the titular kid. He <laughs> the titular <laughs> kid, not the the girl I like. The eye. Yeah. The eye in the title. Yes. Yeah, the eye in the title. <laughs> Again, and you know, I, I'll get into it, but it's really not about the girl that he likes and how she keeps forgetting yeah. her glasses. No, it's it's about the bo- Boku. Yes, right? uh, he's a little right? he's a little nervous baby boy, um, <laughs> and and he is slowly basically he uses her horrible uh debilitating vision problems because she cannot function without her glass without her glasses like she is legally blind right Uh, if she went to a doctor like they they would say you cannot be you cannot exist in society without wearing these things she's a hans mole man yes exactly (laughs) uh and and he basically uses this weird you know artificial barrier of her not being able to see anything or anyone as like his his mask in in or his fake competence he uses it as a basis for for being able to talk to her right as like a person he's like well she she can't see me so obviously uh i don't have to talk to her like i would a girl right he uses it to kind of engineer a series of meat cutes. Yes. Yeah. Well, and and that's what really did it for him because it gets to the point where he is actually actively hoping for and maybe eventually like planning to engineer situations where she forgets her incredibly necessary glasses. Again, it, it's a cruel it's a cruel thing to, to make this girl go without these glasses. <laughs> it's a form of abuse. 
What what if I told you that like as the show goes along it leans further and further into that angle and it becomes like truly like menacing and he becomes <laughs> the main villain? Oh my god, that would be so amazing. What a great twist that would be. Oh. That's so good that I know that it's not what happens. I know. It could never be that good. I would love it, though. I would really love that. Yeah. I mean, basically, I dropped this because I got fed up with him being uh, a weird little baby boy that is happy that this uh, person has a disability because it makes him slightly better at talking to girls. The girl I like forgot her wheelchair. <laughs> 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 I, that is it. That is a good way to point out how fucked up the situation That's is. It's really funny. That's really funny. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I didn't really have a lot of interest. I think because it was just too similar to uh, some of my other like dumb rom coms that I had picked up at the time. Yeah, some of the other fucking snuff film shit that you read. <laughs> hey, don't blow up my spot, man. Okay, I, I do we even need to say why we didn't watch Rurouni Kenshin? Uh, because of the criminal charges, right? I, I think probably because of the thing that the uh, the things that uh, he is uh, legally responsible for. Well, I mean, he was only legally responsible for paying two thousand dollars. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, this show also didn't look very good. All right, uh, tell me a little bit about... Now we're, we're moving into stuff that I didn't watch. This is all stuff you dropped. Yeah. Um, tell me about Gene of AI. Uh, Gene of AI is not something I stopped watching because it was bad. It's something I is kind of Is it something you just, stopped watching because it's good? It was too good. It was really off-putting how good it was. I think it got lost in the shuffle a little bit because it is... It is more episodic in the traditional sense, right? Mm -hmm. uh, in that uh, each episode functions as its own little story. And so there's not a lot of, I don't know, urgency, I suppose. And I think Netflix has maybe like rewired a lot of our brains into the format where you like everything has to end in like a rushed cliffhanger, you know, and uh, I might be guilty of that as well. Um, but I do like Gene of AI. I think it is a really clever kind of humanist and interesting story. Uh, I think it's really well done. But it, it but it, you know, like I said at the top, we there's so many shows right now. It's it's hard to keep up on everything. Uh, so Gene of AI, we can't I, even keep up with the good ones, folks. I know it, it's crazy. Uh, so I, I like Gene of AI. I will get back to Gene of AI. Okay. Now uh, that's the one you described to me as as blackjack. But for androids. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, Which it's, is a good premise. I like that. It's a good premise. It's a back alley doctor, but he treats robots. And the society is built on the idea that, like, androids and uh, a lesser version of them, like full-on robots, uh, coexist with regular humans. And androids obviously can't go to a meat doctor. They have to go to a... Uh, a, a computer doctor and uh, a lot of the cases are things that challenge uh, our conception of humanity because it's often cases it's the edge cases that aren't necessarily like super legal like in this world you are not allowed to make backup copies of people's personalities right because i mean i think i think that i agree with that 
yeah, it's it's something to think about, but it's also like it, there's one particular case that I think about a lot because I think it's a really great episode, but it's uh, a man comes to our doctor uh, because his wife has a basically a BIOS uh, failure that is slowly overriding her personality. His robot wife? Yeah. Well, she's an android, so she is like a, a fair amount of human, like a real person. Okay. She's not a full robot. But she is an artificial person, really. She has a lot of robotic parts. And he wants to illegally copy her data while it's still uh, intact so that he can restore her later on. Uh, and this becomes very complicated because, like, the, the ethics behind that are very strange. Because as soon as he copies her personality, everything after that happens to her, after that copy, right, who is that person? Well, that's, uh, did you right? play, did you play Soma? I did play Soma, and I liked Soma. Uh, that's basically the same question posed there, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But it's very, it's very grim, dark in Soma. Yeah, uh, kind of a downer ending that one. Yeah, no kidding. This has a, a more mixed bag take on it, and um, you know, our our main character is definitely of the opinion that like this is, this is maybe not a good thing to do, but they have a daughter, and the daughter is you know a young girl she's like eight or nine so young enough that she's not thinking about the conundrum of this this ethical issue but she is old enough to understand like that her mother is disappearing from the world uh and she is pretty fucked up about that as you know uh, i think most of us probably would be Hey, speak for yourself, mister <laughs> i can i can only speak of my appearance but if my mom died i'd be sad well, I mean, yeah, but I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> speak for yourself. Anyway, I, it has a very light touch and is very interested in leaving the conclusions up to the viewer, but it poses very interesting questions. So I, I like Gene of AI. I like it a lot. All right. Are you going to go back to it? It sounds like you're going to go back to yeah, it. Yeah, I definitely will. All right. Uh, okay. Um, what about sensuality? Now, sensuality. We talked about this previously before as well. Yeah, we mentioned it earlier about being last season's uh, kind of dud uh, mech show. Uh, it, it really is just the the dried out. It is a it is a dehydrated Gurren Lagann. <laughs> Sad. Yeah. You know, I did not give it the opportunity to redeem itself after its first episode, but uh, not a promising first episode, and just filled to the brim with that bad CGI we were talking about. Well, sounds like this one's out. Bull busted. Fully bull busted on that one. <laughs> uh, how far did you get in Undead Murder Farce? I watched at least the first three episodes. I think first four episodes, maybe. So, unfortunately, I, I didn't get past where I was in the manga, because I did read a, a fair amount of the manga. Not a fair amount. Uh, like, you know, a handful of chapters. And while it's a fairly good-looking show um, and a beautiful manga, this is, uh, again, kind of hitting our ZOM 100 problem, is that uh, the actual content is not very good. It's pretty to look at and uh, uh, kind of nothing else. I found that actually the anime uh, treats its audience like fucking idiots, even worse than, than the manga does. And listen, I find that very listen. off-putting. For the most part, I think the audience are are idiots but <laughs> you don't want to treat them that way yeah i mean you have to kind of extend an olive branch yeah even if it may be glaringly painfully true 
still treat them like the way uh, you treat them like the audience you want, not like the audience they are. Yeah, you do have to like assign a non-aggression pact. Uh, this one, uh, it just it has no just from the first episode, it has really no patience and no interest in like you know giving you the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. And um, it is a detective story where I think the detective part is bad. I think the the mysteries are not satisfying, uh, and the detectiving is just not very good. I mean, that doesn't sound good. In a detective yeah. story, you want the detectiving, the detecting, to be the 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 primary uh, good part of it, right? Yeah, you know, unfortunately, a lot of anime detective stuff really tries to like build the the hype around all the basically every other element besides the detectiving. Uh, which, you know, is not very good. Uh, it, it, you know, some people might like that. Uh, personally, I, I, I need a strong detectiving, uh, to make a detective story worth my time. Uh, is that why you're so into, uh, uh, Ron, uh, Hana, Hanabashi? Is that it? <laughs> yeah, keep going. Keep <laughs> guessing. I want to hear all the other versions of this. Uh, <laughs> Ron um, McGarnagle. Ron, but but kind of Lagashi. No, wait, Lagashi. That's Hum Humu Nuku Nuku Apua. It's Ron Kamanahashi. Yeah, Kamanahashi. Deranged detective. Yeah. Oh, well, the cases aren't super interesting in Ron Kamanahashi, but they are better done. Uh, there's more interest in in doing a strong detectiving uh, than than undead murder farce. So not going back to this one. Yeah. So those are our drops. Let's talk about the good stuff, though. How about that? All right. Well, I mean, first off the bat, Jujutsu Kaisen, baby. It's here. Uh, it's making waves. People love cannot, that shit. Cannot stop talking about Jujutsu. Jujutsu. It's just a, a fucking steamroller. It's the biggest thing in anime right now. Uh, fuck Demon Slayer. Fuck uh, My Hero Academia. Fuck One Piece. Uh, all trash. Jujutsu rise up. Uh, this is the good shit, my friends. And it is increasingly uh, because the manga is popping off right now too. You know, it is increasingly hard for anime catch-ups like myself to to keep dodging these narrative bombs that keep flying up all <laughs> over the place. Yeah, you know, uh, people are pretty loose with their screen grabs. Uh, I have to say, uh, not a fan. Don't be that guy. I mean, generally, uh, I think on the show we don't really care about spoilers, but you know, don't be, uh, don't be a negative force. That's all I'm saying. Uh, but yeah. Mappa, yeah, I keep saying it over and over again. They're hitting it out of the park season after season uh, with Chainsaw Man, with Jujutsu, both uh, amazing, looking beautiful. Um, yeah. But and I think that Jujutsu Kaisen is by far the the better one in terms of. Of animation uh, and, of, and quality. Of the, recent, of the recent MAPPA stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I think what's interesting about this season in particular, Jujutsu Kaisen, is first of all, it experiments with style way more than the first season. Oh, yeah. There, oh, for sure. There there are, even, even within episodes, you can really tell when people are taking big swings at different anime styles, mm-hmm. uh, which just is fantastic. I love that. Uh, we're gonna put aside some of the labor issues that have come to come to light recently. Yeah, well, you know, how else am I going to get my product to consume without breaking a few <laughs> eggs? I, 
I must consume product. I don't care about uh, the person behind it. Who cares? I mean, about that? Our, our show literally. We must consume product. We must consume product. We must consume. It does not matter about the human cost. Animation is obviously a meat grinder. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> let's 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 save that for another episode. Yeah. Perhaps. Oh boy. Uh, we'll put that in the in the ideas page. Yeah, but man, episode to episode, we are just seeing really interesting experimental stuff, and I. I love that. I love that. I think it's fantastic. And of course, you know, we're getting to a very, very good and interesting part of the story itself. I don't think it's a spoiler to say that uh, there's going to be some some heavy shit, heavier than uh, what we've seen so far. And Some uh, shit dread- is about to go down. Yeah, I'm, I'm dreading it a little bit, uh, but I'm also very excited. Uh, Jujuku is just breaking through in an incredible way it deserves uh everything it's getting well especially yeah, give those people raises you assholes oh absolutely give it give them the money they deserve it yeah but I, I was gonna say in terms of cool animation stuff they've been doing i really love the comparison you know the 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 pairing of the two openers they've done so far since yeah. this season has been split into the Gojo flashback where we get kind of the fleshed out backstory of his uh, history with Ghetto. Yes. An interesting choice. Well, is uh, that's more or less how it plays out in the manga though, right? They, they do take an aside like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. It's been a while since I've read that part of the manga, but I, I do think like expanding that all the way to like half this season is, is an interesting choice. Uh, yes. Um, I mean, I, I feel like that whole sequence was worth giving the time to, to not have to truncate it down to, you know, one or two episodes. Uh, I think that that, for the, for the most part, is a good choice. I like that they gave it room to breathe and we really got to feel, you know, just how, I mean, I, I feel like, I feel confident in saying uh, after watching and reading uh, that part of the story and and seeing their history, that even if it isn't explicitly stated, or or even if the characters knew themselves, I definitely got like some kind of a uh, unrequited romance vibes between uh, Gojo and Ghetto. There was something going on there. <laughs> you are not the first person to make. I don't think game. I am. I don't think that's a controversial <laughs> uh, take at all. Um, but I. Uh, you know, I see it, and it, it makes what I know we're building towards even more heartbreaking. It's interesting. It's a lot. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on. Yeah. 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 I really hope there's not a larger gap between this part and the next part, uh, because we did wait, what? Like two years. Two, three, two years, three years, something like that. Twenty twenty one uh, was when the first season came out, and then Jesus they did Chainsaw Christ. Man, uh, and so. Uh, they're probably going to finish this out in probably, you know, winter season, maybe spring of next year, and then go back to Chainsaw Man season two. Yeah, I I really hope so. I hope we're quicker on the draw because all this shit has a very tight pace to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be a shame if you just left us hanging for another two years. Uh, last last comment I'll make about Jujutsu is now that I am reading the manga and especially in the early chapters uh, where I've where I've got up to now I'm you know roughly at the point where the the first season of the anime or the second season of the anime that's out right now is as adapted I'm yeah. a little bit past that um, so I, I I know where we're going and I was surprised at 
Like, this is one of the rare cases where uh, Mappa's adaptation of the art ju just straight up looks better than the original art. Especially, wow. Especially in the early, <laughs> in the, in the early chapters. Damn, he's fucking throwing it down. The gauntlet I, uh, is on the ground. Uh, I'm not trying to be disparaging. I'm just saying that the way they've animated it uh, looks a whole... It, it's on a different level than than the early chapters. Oh, man. That's I don't know where we are oh again at what? We're up to chapter like 250-something. We're up there. Well, okay. Well, I will say that uh, Gege Akutami comes into their own style and uh, truly masters their own sense of aesthetic as this as the the manga goes on and has now settled into a truly unique and interesting uh, art style. I think uh, they're fantastic. They've really got behind the behind the eight ball there. Love it. Uh, all right, what else we got uh, to round out this episode? Well, we've got Helk which is something I read all of, something I, uh, the manga I devoured. And I think the anime is doing uh, a, a good, a very good job of adapting, if a little uh, rushed. Uh, you know, that's, what are you going to do, right? They, they have a lot of ground to cover. The manga's fairly long, sort of a mid-length manga. I mean, how many, how many chapters in? Uh, how many chapters would you say? Well, the manga is done, and it's been done for a while. It looks like we hit 106 chapters. That's 12 volumes. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a fairly good run for a single manga. Yeah, it's a it's a good uh, mid length, not not a hefty, yeah, uh, and not a massive tome, but it's a good length. I I think this is really good. I think everybody should go out and watch this. Uh, I know the the goofiness might be off-putting for some people because they're expecting more of a, like a battle manga thing from from some of the clues that gets dropped early on. But uh, I really think this is like a journey worth sticking with. I really really like it. All right, keep it on the list. Yeah, let's see. We got two more that we went through. Dark Gathering. This is a big surprise to me. I was really not expecting to, like, stick with this one. I mean, this is one I, I genuinely did think I was going to drop pretty fast. But it's just weirdly compelling to me. I mean, again, maybe this is so like... What, what is the deal? Because I, I only see this advertised when I go to Shudder. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Is like, it is like, it is a horror thing. So obviously it's winning points on me there. It sits firmly in, in my, my comfort zone. I'd say this has a lot of DNA it shares with something like uh, Meiruko-chan in that it has the, the like the gap moe thing going on. You know, there is a, a kind of a the our main characters are two college students and a, a little girl. Right. And mm -hmm. the little girl is sort of like she's very cute, but she's obsessed with ghost hunting and You'd think that, like, this is sort of, you know, based on the model of the two characters and the little girl, uh, it seems kind of a little infantile. But when they bust ghosts, uh, the ghosts are extremely fucked up and weird. Uh, and they're doing truly, truly awful things. <laughs> uh, it's it's gory and messed up. Hence the gap moe. I, for I, I, for I those unfamiliar with the term, that is basically a show that is like being subversive to the the general strappings of the moe genre. Well, it's it's the it's it's like a general kind of aesthetic where the cutesiness comes from like 
uh, like an example of like a, a little girl who's a very cute, but she acts like a big, tough delinquent, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the gap. The gap between aesthetic and, and uh, character uh, is one example of it. Now, would you peg that as something like different than like Madoka Magica? No, I think Madoka is leaning on the same thing, though, uh, you know, I, I'm sure <laughs> this isn't the most accurate way to use the term. I just thought it was, it's a good way to break down succinctly what's going on in Dark Gathering. And so you've been actually like following this one as episodes come out. Yeah, I've literally been watching episode to episode. There's just like, just enough really weird fucked up shit to just keep me totally interested and engaged. Uh, and I keep going like, man, I hope they get more and more fucked up. And for the most part, they have. <laughs> it gets really grim. This last episode has been uh, nothing but like disemboweling,s which is just <laughs> crazy. Uh, I, I like it. I like it. I mean, that's good to hear because I feel like we've mentioned that horror as a genre in anime is probably one of the harder stuff to find good shows in right yeah i i think it's weird because anime does lend itself animation itself lends uh itself fairly well to horror usually i mean imagine like you're removed from so many restrictions that you have in a live action but anime for whatever reason doesn't usually like lean too far into the horror stuff like uh you know we just listed a lot of stuff from this season and last season and how many of those are actually like horror? I mean, I'd have to I'd have to dive into it a bit, but I would say maybe one, maybe two out yeah. of the entire lot. Like barely any. And this show itself is not even like full horror. It, like I said, it is playing kind of it's being subversive and playful with the way that it it combines those two elements, just like Meiko Chan does. Yeah. But but I think it's doing it very successfully. I mean, I, if I, I had I, to take a guess, I would I would say that even with the cost cutting techniques that we've that we've railed against on this show, <laughs> uh, for the most part, making an entire season of an anime is going to be more expensive than than making a low budget horror movie. Uh, and so at that point, uh, the people who are making the money decisions want you to produce something that is going to fit into what traditionally sells with anime, which is obviously shonen stuff, cute anime stuff, uh, moe. I, I feel like the, financially the big draw of horror in movies has always been that you can make a pretty bad movie at a pretty low budget and it's going <laughs> to return you know, financially at the box office just by the sheer number of people who go to see horror movies, you know, as a genre, not like specific titles. Yeah, I have, I hate to say it about people basically like us, but uh, uh, they basically assume we're fucking idiots. They assume horror fans are fucking idiots who will eat whatever. They're not always wrong, but it's not nice to assume. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, of course, they're, they're all fucking, I mean, dollar signs pouring out of these guys eyeballs because you know something like paranormal activity made four billion dollars and the 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 budget was like what a thousand two thousand bucks it was more it was i think the budget was sixty three thousand dollars yeah something insane and most of that was camera equipment costs yeah uh, uh that that really is horror in a nutshell there yeah yes i, I you know, I, I'm. That's why. Maybe that's why one of the reasons I'm so excited for this uh, Uzumaki adaptation because it really looks like a big budget 
serious attempt at obviously a great horror story you know i mean that's that's awesome i like i love that that's happening and i i i like that you brought up junji ito because i feel at least in in horror anime his name is like one of the only ways to get uh you know a horror anime made is by having junji ito's name attached to it yeah yeah to make straight horror yeah um yeah uh, you know, uh, we kind of we got like some psychological horror thriller stuff with um, Paranoia Agent back in the day. Sure, uh, sure. But even that was really much more leaning on the psychological aspect rather than being like straight up a monster or ghost stories. Yeah, and of course, all, like all these death games that I love so much, you know, a lot of them would break more towards horror. But uh, you know, there's always some kind of uh, well, almost always some kind of shonen component, you know, that like makes it in there because, yeah. you know, there's got to be some kind of battling or whatever in there because it is a game, right? I mean, and games are supposed to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's so <laughs> fun. Uh, talk to Jigsaw about that one. Oh, man. I just watched Saw 10. Saw 10. Saw no, 10, we haven't got Saw We haven't 10. worked up to it yet. We watched Saw 7, which, by the way, uh, I just want to point out this is not an anime. It has nothing to do with anime. Saw 7 starts off with a Jigsaw trap that takes place in a public setting, and it is not followed up on one bit in the actual narrative of the movie. Uh, they just use it as an <laughs> intro to show that they are doing 3D this time. Hell yeah. Well, I mean, I don't want to get too deep into the the Saw lore, but we, of course, know no, that... No, fuck it. This is a Saw cast now. <laughs> I could do, it like, 100 episodes on Saw. But we, we, we do know that, you know, Jigsaw's apprentices have infiltrated the police. So, just saying. Just saying. I'm just saying. I wish we could have gotten a little more context for it. That's all I'm saying. Okay, okay. <laughs> all right, final show. This is the final show of summer 2023. Uh, Dead Mount Death Play. This is a show that I'm not even sure I would have given a chance if I wasn't already reading the manga. It is a reverse isekai, right? So we have what... uh, That term can can mean a lot of things, but is this this a, uh, a fantasy character that has been brought into our world? You nailed it. Okay, all right. Absolutely. Now, this combines something I really like with something I don't like. Because uh, on one hand, we have uh, our main character is a necromancer lord. He's, uh, he is the corpse god, which I love. Love necromancers. Big ups to all necromancers. I love you guys. <laughs> You're doing great work out there. You're doing great work. I really appreciate it. And of course, wait, uh, hold on. on Did you say necromancers or necrophiles? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't want to talk about Saw anymore. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and of course, on the other hand, uh, there is the Esekai component, which I'm obviously not so on. Which we, uh, which we hate. Yeah, which we loathe and despise. Uh, but De- Deadmount Deathplay, for the most part, I think obviously because of the reverse elements, I give it a lot more leeway. I think Necromancer in a modern setting uh, is way more interesting than the reverse, for sure, for sure. Now, does he? say use his necromancer powers to run a small business in a hustle and bustle modern tokyo he does absolutely oh, fuck he does. yes i love that yeah yeah what he does is uh he bilks people out of their money by being uh, a fake fortune teller which is very funny to me can't he just <laughs> really tell fortunes though yeah he just like 
talks to people's ghosts that are hanging around. He's like, hey, what's up with this guy? And the ghosts are like, oh, that guy? Uh, that's that's my husband. Uh, he's really sad about how I died. And then the guy's like, you're sad about how uh, your wife died. And the guy's like, whoa, what? How'd you know? <laughs> I, I just want to point out uh, the the layers of absurdity in this premise. Hey, hey, these idiots think I'm a fortune teller, but really I can just talk to ghosts. Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> right? I, it, he didn't want to be like a straight medium because like that's a little bit too much heat. You know what I mean? So he leans into the fortune teller thing. Uh, what's funny is he does hot and cold reads because he also has a buddy who is looking people up on the internet in real time and feeding him information. So he's kind of like a, a Reagan type from from Mob. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, what if Reagan, but he also could see ghosts? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I think there are good things and bad <laughs> things in this show. This technically counts as humor. Yes. <laughs> uh, this show dips in and out of some good and bad things. I think... Sometimes you have good animation. There's some really interesting visuals, and uh, occasionally they have great fight scenes. Occasionally the fight scenes look like garbage, and the the animation is just not good. Like drop frames, like bad stuff. I think sometimes the story is really intriguing and interesting. It plays with some really great ideas, and then sometimes it just drops everything that's interesting to pursue mindless melodrama. And I'm not against melodrama, but, you know, just mystery and... You're, you're for mindful melodrama. Mindful melodrama, yes. <laughs> uh, it just, sometimes it just throws out things for the sake of having something to talk about, you know? Uh, which I do not like. Now, this is by uh, the guy who did Durara. Durara. Yeah, which was, you know, I didn't catch at the time, but was very popular like a while back. Do you know Do you know where that title comes from? Durara. Yeah. No, I have no idea. That's uh, that's the onomatopoeia for the sound that her motorcycle makes. Oh. That's like the rumble of her motorcycle engine. Really? Yeah. Vroom, vroom, vroom. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. I guess, okay. I would say that is objectively incorrect but uh <laughs> hey i am not a linguist i've made that pretty clear we're also uh, not japanese <laughs> uh, speak for yourself oh <laughs> so yeah that's i you know i've stuck with it because uh again like i'm i'm lukewarm on the show and the manga but it has enough interesting elements for me to kind of like wait it out i know you're edging up to something that could be interesting and I'm just curious enough to see if they pull it off or not. I mean, sounds promising. Yeah, you know, it it is promising, and I'm still waiting for that promise to pay off. <laughs> like, uh, very far into it, I'm still waiting. Well, you know, the, the higher you climb, the farther you fall. Dead Mount Deathplay, you are a mixed bag i'll just i <laughs> really don't know what else to say about a it. real it's, six out of ten it's something that i will continue to watch but i would also like not recommend i i don't know it's a weird one hey uh i i watch this but that's because uh i like bad things you shouldn't you shouldn't watch this <laughs> it truly is like it do be like that sometimes. a great endorsement <laughs> it, it do be like that uh, <laughs> oh my wow. god is that it are we done is that the anime 
We fucking covered it. I didn't even talk about any of the manga I read. That list is getting longer and longer. Uh, but that's a bunch of anime. Again, I, it's funny that we hit that dry spot for a little while, and now we are just dumping anime on you. It's true. Best friend and listener, we have just supplied you with anime talk for days. I mean, I think that should just speak to the fact that... Uh, Maybe for how much shit we're giving it, uh, they are at least presenting some ideas in this se- in the last couple seasons, right? Uh, last year or so that are fucking intriguing and make me actually want to uh, to watch them, even if it's only an episode. It is kind of crazy, like how many of the things we just talked about are just straight adaptations of manga. Uh, I-, I would really like let me let me send this message directly to all the money men in japan and uh, elsewhere that are, are are creating these shows i would really appreciate some i hate to call it this but new ip original anime original animation not based on a manga or any other property i would really appreciate that i'm way more invested and interested in something when it's not based on anything uh, i i would love to count up uh, by the end of the year count up how many things uh, there are that uh, aren't based on a manga or a video game or whatever. Okay, well, you say that, but uh, uh, you still haven't watched an episode of Paradox Live. <laughs> I'm, I'm working up the courage to get there. <laughs> hey, you're the one asking for original content. Here it is, baby. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Send me, send me one of the raps, and uh, I'll judge it on that. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be fun. Uh, I'll keep an open mind until that moment. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, I'm exhausted. Yeah. Wow. We have wrung the anime out of Jesus our pores. Jesus Christ. So much anime. Oh, okay. Next week, we have got to talk about something less timely. <laughs> we have been way too on the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about something a little more abstract next next week uh maybe come up with some kind of topic perhaps oh i like that some kind of uh thing that we can discuss yeah maybe a discussion point maybe something like uh, a big picture concept what do you think i love it i love that idea because quite honestly i'm i'm sick of watching anime god i hate anime so much (laughs) (laughs) oh my god (laughs) this is just pure torture i cannot believe how much of my life I'm devoting to content. This is for you, dear oh, listener. It's so depressing. Because we love you and we care about yeah, you. Yeah, because we're your best friends. I mean... We're your best we're, anime friends. We're your best anime friends. Uh, and we're just giving you so much of our own life force. I'm bleeding right now. I'm bleeding for you yeah. into this recording. Yeah, I honestly we need to like we need to go now because I I need to jump into my like recovery chamber. <laughs> I'm so weak. Your Darth Vader fucking techno egg healing chamber. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I need to like restructure my cellular de- degeneration at this point. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. I'm All right. So That's tired. it. I'm going. I'm leaving. All right. That's, That's it. enough. That's enough for Anime Death Spiral for this week. Thank you, dear friends and listeners, for sticking around. Uh, eventually, we're going to have some TikToks that I would really like. I'm saying it now to force Nate into finishing them. Uh, <laughs> okay. I will leave this in the episode to force Nate into doing it. This is pure guilt on my, on my part. I am weaponizing my guilt. Nate, 
will put out these TikToks. If he does, I would love for you to go and watch them and maybe share them if you can. Uh, unless that makes you look like a loser, in which case I understand. Oh boy. Well, until next time, this is Anime Death Spiral. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Your wife's got a great big ass. Hooah!